0: Welcome to another Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. In our first series of decoding, We looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a ten principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The latter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are, our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. And i back to our series on Decoding Joseph. This is episode 22. I'm really excited about how this is shaping up. We have been looking at some unique insights into how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. You know, many a times we tend to think, that God is all spiritual, that he can't be a part of our work, a part of our money, a part of our business, a part of our investing, and a part of our leadership. We tend to separate the spiritual world from the natural world. We forget that the natural world was birthed out of the spirit realm. You know, the spirit realm is caused, And the natural world is effects. So that's why we have this phrase, cause and effects. Whatever you see in the natural world is an effect. It's a response to a trigger in the spirit world. The creator of our universe, the scripture says, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But spirit gave birth to material. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. How? It doesn't make sense. How does intangible give birth to tangible? How does matter come out of spirit? So this the story of Joseph is, I believe, one of the perfect stories that we can look at and say, how does God think? towards our work culture, our money, our business, our investing, and leadership. Because I believe right now, if you were to look at probably the New York Times bestsellers, most of those books are centered around, you know, self-improvement. But most of it is around enhancing your work, your career, your money, your business, investing, and leadership. So, what better source to go to than the giver of life, the creator of the heavens, the universe, the galaxies, the stars, the moon, all of creation. What better source to go to than decode some of the men and women that have walked with God, that God has worked mighty, mighty mightily through their lives to discern What was his thought process when he was guiding them on how to operate when it comes to work, money, business, investing, and leadership? And I say that there are about 11 key life principles to decode from the story of Joseph. And we are right now decoding principle category number two, which is what is your purpose? Excuse me. And I say that until we find out what it is that God has created us to do, we will never truly be satisfied until we walk in that destiny calling. A calling, as I've labored to explain in our previous episodes, is different from a dream. Because a calling is higher than a dream if your dream is not in the path of your calling you can absolutely achieve, attain a dream and still not fulfill your calling. Because a calling is something that requires you to become a different person, to let go of yourself. It will... There will be like a compression... It will be like fire. It will be like gold going through fire. Or it will be like the the scripture says um, that silver has dross around it. But once you put it out, once you put it through the fire, then you get the real silver. A calling requires is something that will basically purify you. It will require you to walk in a pure in a life of purity, in a sense of it will expose the weaknesses, the selfish desires, the tendencies to focus on self than other people. A calling will expose your greed. A calling will expose whether you are doing things after money or actually, you know, it will expose the hidden intents, the hidden motives, that people normally have. You know, our world today has a lot of people who have fulfilled their dreams, who are at the top. But we keep asking ourselves, why does it seem like things are getting worse and worse? It's because people are just focusing on dreams. And no one is going to the creator to ask, what is my calling? I absolutely believe that if Everyone was to walk in their destiny calling what God has created them to do, what God has called them to do, that the deck would just reshuffle itself. A lot of the problems that we have in society today, a lot of the things that we need legislation for, we would not need legislation. This thing would be running on autopilot. But since there's a fall of man that created lust, selfish desires, pride, Scripture says that God resists the proud. So pride comes before a fall. But it says honor comes before humility. So all of the characters that don't represent the character or person of God in the form of Jesus Christ are things that you can bypass and still fulfill a dream. We have people who fulfill their dreams today and they commit suicide. Why? Because, you see, a dream can still be a selfish desire. But a calling is not something you walk into out of selfishness. Because a calling requires you to lay down self and achieve higher and go higher. So we try to distinguish a calling from a dream and said most people are going after dreams instead of seeking a calling. What is your calling? And through scripture, we labor to explain that in scripture, the word dream or dreams is actually used more in the context. In fact, if not 99% of the time, used more in the context as a vehicle of communication between God and man. Notwithstanding, Satan also infiltrates people's dreams and Satan can talk to people through dreams. Now, one of the scriptures that I really liked that talked about our calling, first of all, was this. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So like calling is heavenly. It says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So a calling is heavenly, and a calling, according to scripture, is actually your profession. Now, the other scripture that I really liked that talked about a calling was one that showed us the journey to fulfilling a calling. That these characteristics and qualities you'll have to pick up along the way to walk in the full manifestation of what God has called you to do. And this was from 2 Peter chapter 1. And it says, I just like, I just love to read it um, from the top. Again, let's go. So 2nd Peter chapter 1, verse 1, before I dive into the emphasis that I really want. Actually, you know what? Let us, yeah, let's just read from the top. So This is Peter. Peter was an apostle. He was a disciple and then an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one of the 12. And he wrote, this is one of his um, epistles. He said, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger of Jesus Christ. To those who have received and obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ right off the bat you can see that a calling has caused this person to already subject themselves and authority because of the way they are even addressing themselves the way they're introducing themselves saying Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ which means a calling is like think of it it's like a, it's like a drafting letter you know When someone has been drafted or enlisted into the army, they receive a deployment letter. So likewise, once we're drafted into the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, remember in the previous episodes I said that the scripture says we become ambassadors. We become citizens of heaven and then ambassadors of Christ. So we're now going out as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So that's why Peter here says, Simon Peter, a servant, and apostle. So a calling means someone has delegated that mission, that that mission statement to me. Okay. Then he says, may grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect, well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the full personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So there certain accesses you receive on this journey to a calling. However, you can only receive your calling from one source. It's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where now we start to get uh, convoluted. Because you see, I can fulfill a dream. But remember, I said a calling is from your creator, Jehovah, the God of the heaven and the, the, God, the God who created the heaven and the earth, the universe, the galaxies, the stars, the moon, who created all living things. And it's only through knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that you can really receive a full understanding of what you've been called to do. Because again, based on scripture, out of Psalm 139, I love it to explain that in Psalm 139, it talks about how you're not here by mistake. Those who believe in evolution, this is where perhaps we part ways, or maybe you can take a pause. But for us who believe that we've been created for specific purpose and reason, And there's a destiny that God has ordained for us. We know that this is not a mistake. We know that this is not just happenstance. Scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 8, it talks about some interesting things here. In Romans chapter 8, it says, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Uh And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. So, those he foreknew, he did predestinate. Those he predestinate, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. However, between being justified and glorified in the image and person of God, this is what we call consecration. Consecration. So it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord that you really can understand what consecration is. Because again, remember that you can attain a dream without walking in the person and manner of Jesus Christ. You see, before God glorifies you, after you've been justified, there's a process of consecration. Consecration is basically being set apart being made holy walking in righteousness peace enjoying the holy ghost now these are the things that the world leaves out these are the things that the world leaves out and only sells you a dream and then you see people achieving their dream and committing suicide because it's through consecration that you really get to understand the person of Jesus Christ you get to let go of your lust your pride your selfish desires Cursing, uh, addictions, all of that is what the scripture calls God's commandments. You know, his ways, walking in his ways. So to fulfill your calling, it requires you to surrender your will to walk after the man and person of Christ. But I say, you see, you you might read a self-help book and it will tell you all about everything about a dream. You know, imagination, uh, work hard, do this, never give up, all of this. But the scripture says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? So the question I have for you, what shall it profit you if he shall gain your dream but lose your soul? So you can attain a dream you can fulfill a dream but what shall it profit you if you shall fulfill your dream and end your life by putting a bullet through your head by committing suicide by not being able to enjoy you got celebrities They can't even enjoy their lives. They're always ducking. Cameras are all in front of themselves, in front of them. So if you have attained this life, but you can't even enjoy it, you can't freely walk around. You can't be, you know, you, you can't enjoy the simple things of life. Was it worth it? What shall it profit you to gain a career of 30 years? And when you're 60, you still feel like that did not satisfy you. And you still say, and you're still wishing you could get the last 30 years back. This happens every single day, every single day, both to Christians and non-Christians both the people that believe in God and those that don't. They attain their dream. Some go off the rails. Some lose their family. As they're on their way to the top, they lose friends. They don't have any friends. Their wife has left them. Their husband has left them. They don't have friends. They don't have relationship with their children, with their family members. What shall it profit you to gain the whole world and still lose your soul? But scripture also says in the book of Ephesians about a calling, something very powerful and beautiful. Something that should encourage every one of you to go out and start going after your calling. It says... This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. It says that in the ages to come, he, God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and to good works, which God has ordained, which God has before ordained, that we should walk in them. So God has ordained good works for you, before ordained, from the foundation of the world, that you should walk in them. And as I said in Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, it talks about how God had already planned the number of your days. And I say, no one can tap out God. You cannot tap out God. You can't. Even if you might look at someone right now and they're worth a $100 billion, they've not tapped out God. In fact, someone could very well fulfill their dream and have a company and be worth a $100 billion and still have missed their calling. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16 says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who created me. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of day. The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. So, you don't hear by mistake. Your days have been purposefully planned for you. That you will there's a calling for every one of us, and We say that on your way to fulfilling a calling, there's what you call gifts and talents. You have natural gifts. These are things that come to you naturally. Things that you were born with because God who planned for your calling, the first things he poured into you were gifts, were natural gifts and talents. So you already qualified for your calling. And I say that we also have spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are special gifts that are added to you Once you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your your Savior and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, these giftings that you receive, they're called spiritual gifts. They're like superpowers that equip you, better equip you to fulfill your calling. Then I say we have what we call skill sets. These are things that you can acquire, school, college, training uh or whatever it is you know university so skills those are things that you add you can acquire in addition to your talents to fulfill your calling and we looked at the definition of talent or a gift and it say that a talent or a gift it says it's a natural a talent is a faculty it's a natural gift or endowment it's a natural gift Or endowment. Then we also looked at what a gift is, and a gift, remember I said, is the same thing as a talent. We use them interchangeably. Still, it says a gift, according to Webster's 1828, says a gift is a power. It's a faculty. It says it's some quality or endowment conferred by the author of our nature. Okay? Then we also looked at um, what we call the definition of a calling says it's a divine summon, vocation, or invitation. That's why I say the calling is from God. A calling is a divine summon. You've been summoned. It's a divine vocation or invitation. Okay? Then we said, what about skills? And I remember I said the skills, these are things you acquire in school, college, training, whatever you can do, online courses, and all of these things. These are what we call skills. And according to Webster's 1828, it says that a skill is the familiar knowledge of an art or science united with readiness and dexterity in execution or performance, or in the application of the art or science to practical purposes. Thus we speak of the skill of a mathematician, of a surveyor, of a physician, or a surgeon, of a mechanic, or a seaman, right? A skill is familiar knowledge of any art or science united with readiness and dexterity in execution or performance, or in the application of the art or science to practical purposes. However, I also added that most people today go after skills without knowing what their calling is, without really understanding what their talents are. And so we have a lot of people who use their life savings, they go to college, acquire skill, and they come out, and they're still not sure where they can apply those skills. And now they might find themselves going back to acquire more skills, trying to patch up, patch up with some certificates here, trying to patch up some certificates there, so that you can become qualified to, be, to apply your skills somewhere. And yet you are already qualified for what God has called you to do. Because that calling, with that calling, God already planted special gifts and talents in you. And I say, don't be surprised why some people are able to build a billion-dollar business with only one year of college. It's because they went down this path of a dream, understanding already, and started applying their gifts and talents. But then along the way, they realized, I might need more knowledge in this area. So they either hire someone with that skill set, or they can then themselves go and acquire that skill. Okay? Now, in the scripture... There's a good scripture here that I want to capture when it comes to skills because we see this as well where in the old covenant, in the book of Exodus chapter 31, we see a scenario where God wanted to build a tabernacle. It was an an engineering structure after the pattern of the heavenly tabernacle. And so he had to supernaturally uh, teach these guys how to do this. You see, this is another place in scripture where we see the word skills, especially after the manner of description we just read about um, skills being familiar knowledge of any art or science united with readiness and dexterity in execution or performance or in the application of the art or science to practical purposes. So here in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, we see a scenario where God needed people to build a structure. But he supernaturally imposed certain skills and knowledge after this, after uh, on these people that he, he, he chose to build this structure. It's called the tabernacle. And what he did is that he showed Moses, the prophet, the pattern in a vision. He showed him the images, right? And then he said supernaturally. He had to give these people understanding and knowledge because they had never built something like this. And so I just wanted to read that so you can also understand that scripture has a place, not just for gifts and talents, but a place where it talks about impartation of skills. So that's not to say that you know that everybody should be a dropout. No. But it's acquiring skills at the point when you've actually figured out what you, you know when you need them, for what you need them, and what skills. Because today people and are now trying to pay off credit card debt. You hear people. Who, who, who was stuck, who are paying off $150,000 in student loan debt of programs later on to find out that they don't even want to work in that field because they went for the skill acquisition because that is what was selling instead of first figuring out what am I called to do, what are my gifts and talents, and then you supplement your gifts and talents with skills. But most people think it's the other way around, that you're going to supplement your skills with your gifts and talents. No, because your gifts and talents came before your skills, those were already put in you. So actually, in one of the last episodes, one of the previous episodes, I said that natural talents are like mineral resources in the earth. Skills are what we use to excavate, to mine those talents that God has put in us. Okay. That is one of the things that I, I, I brought to your attention. It, so in the book of Exodus, as I was just bringing to your attention, we see that there came a time when people needed to supplement, uh, their talents and God had to supernaturally start teaching them things giving them certain skill sets that they needed to build the tabernacle. but as i was saying also is that most people today they first acquire skills and then they look for they then they look for place to they look for a placeholder for their skills and yet if you know your calling you know what you, you you know what you what your gifts and talents are then you use your skills as a supplement And one of the things I said is that I think one of the things that we would need to change the education curriculum would be that everyone out of high school does not just jump into a college degree. People need to take a gap year to really figure out what have they been called to do before they start taking programs that later on, three years after that, they're going to come out into the world and they don't know where to apply themselves. That's why everything is out of course. Remember in Psalm 82, God stands in the congregation of the mighty and says, and, and one, of, one of the reports that God is giving us from his perspective is that all the foundations of the earth are out of course. And I think it starts right on that divide, right on that um, path, that transition between high school and college is where we start to foil up people. Because we sell people the college dream, the professions, the this, the that, and we're trying to rush them, recruiting them straight out of high school into different programs. And yet, the right thing to do would be to give everybody a chance, say, no, 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 no. You need to take a full year and at least we've put in place counseling services um, uh, with spiritual backing for people to find out what have they been called to do. Because if we just Transition you into college. You take a three, four-year, five-year program that is not actually aligned with something that your heart wants to do. You're gonna become a burden to us once you finish college because you're not gonna work. In, you're not gonna want to work in that industry. You're not gonna be happy at work because now you have people working at work just for paychecks and the productivity is not maximized. A lot of companies are just paying people because people are just showing up. Imagine how much society, how much advancement we would have today if everybody was working where they were truly called? Man, this thing would just be working like a fine oil machine. But right now we have 90% of the people working out of alignment across the globe. The problem is that transition. We sell them the skills. Be a lawyer, be a doctor, be an engineer, be a teacher, be a scientist, be a, be a, be a this, be a this. We don't really tell them, no, we should sell callings and say, okay, this is what you've been called to do. We see this in you because this is what you also give to that. However, if you acquire these skills, they'll help supplement you in your calling. Then people become more useful to our society. So we're losing a lot of productivity because people have been sold the skills dream. However, God... His way of doing things is different. It's callings first. But I wanted to show you that also in scripture, it talks about a a place where God had to equip people with certain skill sets so that they could accomplish their calling. And it's in Exodus chapter one. We see this in verse one. And I read, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Another translation reads, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and ability and in understanding and in intelligence and in knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. To do what? It says to to devise skillful works, to work in gold and in silver and in bronze, and in cutting of stones for setting and in curving of wood, to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Then he says, um, then he starts to list down the kind of work that these people would do. essentially they were going to build the tabernacle of the congregation that's what they called it the tabernacle of the congregation the tent of the meeting the tabernacle of the congregation is going to be a mirror of the tabernacle in heaven where God would come and his presence would dwell amongst the children of men it would be in this place called the tabernacle of the congregation anyways and, it, and, and it, this is really fascinating. And you can read this and see how complex this thing was. But then you also see this happening when God was building the, 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 the temple. When Solomon was building the temple, is God needed people who were skilled in different kinds of works and engineering. So that's to show you that skills are needed, but we need to be mindful and discerning at what stage in our lives we acquire those skills. And the, the best way, because of how we see how the education curriculum and work industry has stand out for us, is people need to take a gap year as they transition from high school to college or university or whatever it is, just to figure out, what is your calling? What is your gift and talent? And then they will be better equipped to walk into the right program. So that's kind of like a recap, pretty much. The agenda of today, which is kind of where we stopped in the previous episode, is was on the subject of what is the incentive to fulfill your calling instead of just achieving your dream. There should be an incentive because God is a God of profit. And today I want to show you out of scripture that because of the overarching theme from the book of Genesis to Revelation being God's redemptive plan, redeeming souls to himself, God is in the business of soul winning because of the fall of man. Now, there is a new heaven and a new earth that will come so once this age passes away there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and in the new heaven and new earth we shall be returned to the mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when he first created them which is what I called the fivefold calling that we see at the beginning of creation where God said in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 to said, be fruitful multiply replenish, subdue, and have dominion. However, that did not go according to plan. Then we get an update in Psalm 82 where God is saying all the foundations of the earth are out of course. What is going on? In, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, we see another update where God gives us this kind of like six types of callings that really fit within his redemptive plan. And he says, see, I have set thee over the kingdoms and over the nations to do six types of things. Says so to root out, to pull down, to throw down, to destroy, to build, and to plant. So with that in mind, it shows you that God, every person that he has sent for a time and season as this, there's an expectation of profit. At the end of the day is what is called judgment day. There'll be a day of reckoning where your life, your works, what you accomplished in this lifetime will be marked and judged according against the rubric of what scripture says, the works that God has ordained for us before the foundation of the world, that we should walk in them. Because there is an investment by God sending you onto this earth in this time and season. It's an investment for him. And every investor expects profit. So I want to show you today that there should be an incentive for you to actually go after your calling. Because this lifetime, some people believe after the spirit leaves their body that this is it. If you're one of those who believes that this is it. Well, farewell to you. For, for those of us who do not want to be naive, who those of us whose eyes have been open to understanding that we are all here not because of evolution or because of happenstance, that there is actually special reason and purpose and meaning, those of us understand that God is an investor. He invests in people with expectation of a profit. So, for those of us who have that understanding those are the people that i want to bring to attention that there is an actually there should be an inherent unsatisfaction satisfaction in your life if you you have not found out what you've been called to do especially if you consider yourself to be an adult you should re-pivot realign your whole life do whatever you can. Spend sleepless nights finding out what has, what is it that God has called you to do. Because on the day of reckoning, this is what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-11. It says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that, according to that, he has done, whether it be good or bad. It says, wherefore, then it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. It says, therefore, in another translation says, Therefore, whether we are at home on earth, away from him, from Jesus Christ, or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body. That means in this lifetime, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved and what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over to persuade them. But what sort of persons we are is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood by God. And I hope that it is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood also by your consciousness, your inborn discernment. So, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Okay, then... Also, in the last episode, I said I, I I went into some, you know, some context, some part of the Bible that a lot of people uh, normally are afraid to go to, which is the Book of Revelation, where especially the closing scenes, the prophet, the the prophet, the the, the prophetic closing scenes, the prof- the prophecies about the closing scenes of this age, and then the one to come. So I want to first dive into some of that because I feel that it was a bit rushed in the last episode. And then I will, once I, we, we look at what is going to happen on the day of reckoning judgment day then I will take us to a parable that Jesus said, and you'll see that God has a business mind. He has a mind of an investor. And you'll see what happened, how he reckoned with the people that he gave talents to. But this is the scene in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. In verse 11, and I'll read through chapter 21, just so that I can capture some aspects of the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, says the great white throne judgment. This is what it says. It says, then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great standing before God and the books were opened. So yes, on that day, it doesn't matter whether you had two followers on Instagram or you had 10 million followers on Instagram. On that day, the great and small will both stand before God. It says, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who are in it, and death and hell, death and Hades, delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, there's a lot of things there. It talks about, The book of life. The book of life is a book where in other parts of scripture says that I will not blot out your name in the book of life. In fact, this is a perfect segue to the first three chapters in the book of Genesis. And I want to read something here. It was one of the things that Jesus said. I, I want to make sure that I capture it perfectly here. In the book of Revelation, chapter three, Jesus. So the opening scene, also the book of Revelation is a very, very powerful prophetic book. In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, we see one of Jesus' apostles, disciples, one of the 12, Saint John. He receives this revelation of Jesus Christ. He sees him as Jesus is after the resurrection. His capacity, his aura, the power that he's walking in after he has ascended back as son of man, now also son of God. But I'm not really going to get into that too much. But in this vision, in this interaction in the spirit realm, Jesus tells John to write letters to seven kinds of churches that were in Asia Minor. That's around the region of Turkey. And each church had a special, each church had things that were plaguing them. And one of the churches, from Jesus' perspective, he called it the dead church. Because the church was dead. They thought they were alive, but they were dead, according to the perspective of Jesus. And this was the church in Sardis. And he said, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. So... Actually, the book of life is a book where if someone turns down their calling, actually, let me let me rephrase that. If someone refuses to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, their name is blotted out of the book of life. The book of life is a book that essentially is where you receive, it, 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 it's that book where your calling is attached to. You see, you, you can only receive your calling from the person who created you. Now, for those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our names remain in the book of life. Now, for those other people who don't believe in a God, who don't be, who believe, who, believe and think that this is it? Well, on the day of reckoning, on the day of judgment, when that book is open, they'll actually find out that their name was in there. But because they they refused to accept the invitation of Christ, their name was blotted out. You might say, really? Yeah, because it says, for God so loved the world, In the book of John, I just want to show you how these things come together before we jump into the judgments of God. Because anytime you you, you start talking about the judgment of God, a lot of people just, that's where you part ways. But really, I want to show you that God is an investor. He's an investor. Now, this is the first investment we see him making out to us. John chapter 3, verse 16. A lot of people Read this verse, they quote it, Christians and non-Christians, believers of God and non-believers of God. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son, that is Jesus Christ, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's just as easy as that. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And he goes on to say, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So when we read about that scene there in the book of Revelation, where the Great White Throne Judgment the first book there's a book called the book of life and this is a book that will have names of people basically who received the first portion of god's investment in them which was god reconciling man back to himself remember i said for now that's the calling that god has to every one of us that he has sent into the earth is we're all part of his redemption plan god's overarching redemptive plan God is trying to restore his family to him, man that he created in his own image and likeness, back into fellowship with him. So the first investment God does is, says, okay, I'm going to invest Jesus Christ in you, that you will come back into right standing with me, that you may know my laws, my decrees. And as we build this fellowship, I will, assi- I will assign you your calling card. Now, some of the people... Yes, they do receive the free gift of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they never go on a journey of discovering what is it actually that they were called to do. They stop at the part of just accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior because they are scared of this whole thing of heaven and hell. So they say, okay, I've booked my ticket into heaven. My name is in the book of life. Then I can go off and do whatever I desire. However, On the day of reckoning, I want to show you that even people who will have made it into heaven will still be judged. It says everyone, so those who will be in heaven and even those who will be in hell. Because God wants to do a fair trial. Everybody will be given a fair trial. So that's why in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it says, the sea give up the dead who are in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead who are in them. So yes, even people who are in hell, they will also receive a fair trial. And God will say, well, the first thing is, people ask, why am I in hell? So say, well, you didn't believe that I existed. You didn't believe that uh, you were created, that I created you. And so... You denied fellowship with me. You denied eternal life because I sent Jesus and you denied him. That is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then some people will be in hell and they'll be saying, I don't deserve to be in hell. I did this. I did this. I did this. I did that. And God will say, well, Let's see what you did. Someone will say, I built a billion-dollar business, and I did this, and I did that. Or well, God will take out his rubric, and he'll look into what he ordained and created for you to do before the foundation of the world, and he'll compare it with the dream that you fulfilled, the billion dollars, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus gave this parable in the book of Matthew. Jesus gave this parable in the book of Matthew. Let us go there, and you'll see what will happen on this in this great white throne judgment, the day of reckoning. Um, however, I'll always like to lighten it up. In Revelation chapter 21, it says, verse 1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, coming down, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he is, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. It says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death no sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away then he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me write for these words are true and faithful and he said to me it is done i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end I will give of the fountain of water, of life, freely to to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire, and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay. Those are some, comf- there's a mixture of comforting and not very comforting words in there. Um, Even I, who is a Christian, I when I read these words, uh, they, I've never read them and they, and I just stay feeling normal. There's always a feeling of accountability that rests upon me. Something that says, I really need to fulfill my calling. So, we'll get back to the first parts of uh, of Revelation. But right now, I want to show you that God is an investor. Because we've spoken about why is it Necessity for you to discover your calling. Let me show you that even those people who will have gone to heaven, many to heaven, you know, they will also be judged for their works. And remember, your works will be judged against not what the world said was selling on hot cake. No, your works will be judged against the rubric. That rubric is what God has ordained for you. Before the foundation of the world, basically what he put in your calling card, what he put in your deployment letter, that is where you're going to be judged out of. So let's hear from the master himself. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is a parable from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. It's the parable of talents. And I'm reading from verse 14. This is what it says. This was Jesus speaking. And he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called, you hear those words, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Wow, so by now you should be picking up on all the phrases that we've been using. Calling, gifting, talents, skills. Listen to this, it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Ah. Unto one, he gave five talents. Unto another, you listen to that? This is talking about the day you were born, before you came, he's putting talents in you. Listen to this, this is is very interesting. By now, I want you, as we read this part, we're gonna be like, "Uh aha. So it's kind of like a culmination of everything that I've been trying to explain and and, and labor to say, hey, you need to go after your calling. Okay, 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 let's go back. Again, I'm reading from the gospel of Matthew chapter 25. It's called the parable of the talents. This was Jesus speaking. I'll start again. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made other five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one talent, that is the person who had received one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Mm-hmm. went and hid his lord's money. After a long time after a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse twenty. The Lord it says after a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing. Of teeth, it says that, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There you go. We see a parable of Jesus talking about um, how the day of reckoning will go down. Now. In another parable that I really want to talk about, we see Jesus talk about um, in this other one where talents are also given out. Let me see if I can find it because it's also very interesting. Yeah. It's called the parable. Parable. Of the pounds. The point is that by now you see what I'm saying is that God is an investor. Let me read the other parable, which is called the parable of the pounds. It's from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19. And we will see something interesting here. We will see something very interesting here. the parable of the pounds. Verse 11. I want to show you that God is an investor. That on the day of reckoning, you are going to be judged. How faithful were you with the gifts, the talents that God invested in you? He's going to be looking for profit. How did, you see, how did those giftings help move the kingdom of God forward? How did they help establish the kingdom of God? How did your giftings, how did you use them to win souls for God? That is the question. In in the gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 11 says, Now as they heard these things, Chapter 19, verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, A certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 pounds, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens... Yeah. says, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. I think this sounds about like what we have today, where anytime you talk about the righteousness of God and that there is a God who is a judge, the people say, we will not have this God reign over us. It says, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. And so it was when he returned, this nobleman, talking about Jesus Christ himself, having received the kingdom that he then commanded the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, master, your pound has earned 10 pounds. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Wow. Now, I did mention, you you do see this in the book of Revelation, and actually, uh, it talks about how he that overcomes, I'll give power over the nations. So, in the next age to come, the next world to come, the new heaven and the new earth, as we start to move back into the Eden mandate is that people will have responsibility over galaxies to bring about different creations there, you know, different planets, every planet that we're trying to inhibit right now and facing obstacles. Turns out once the old heaven and the new and the old heaven and the earth are done away with, and we step into Leaving into the new heaven and the new earth, we shall receive unlimited access to all of God's creation, which is all the planets that have been created, the galaxies that are out there, and people will receive responsibility, responsibility based on how they invested this life, the authority and new... Deployment letter that they receive in the next life, the new heaven and the new earth, will be based on how faithful they were in this lifetime. So this is what I've been trying to explain that how you will reside, your kind of lifestyle, your kind of life in the new heaven and the new earth is actually going to be based on on how you invested this life. Because in another part, Jesus says, if you lose your life, you will gain it. You'll gain it in that life which is to come. But if you try to save your life right now, you will lose it. So this is this scenario where Jesus says, the first servant comes and says, Master, you gave me one, you gave me one pound I was faithful and earned 10 pounds. And the Lord said to him, well done, good servant, because you are faithful in the very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, master, your pound has earned five pounds. And he said likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. Right? You also have five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your pound, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere, an austere man, you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? That at my coming I might have collected, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, "Take the pound from him and give it to him who has ten pounds." But they said to him, "Master, he has ten pounds." Then Jesus said, "For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine." Who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me? So, again, those are some harsh words there, but I'm just trying to emphasize that God is an investor. So, because He's invested life in you, there's an expectation of profit from you, there's an expectation of profit. The unprofitable servant is cast away. That's the incentive. That's the incentive for you to go after your calling. This is why it's paramount. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing And it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. So, in closing, what have you been called to do? If this is something that you're still uncertain of, I challenge you to spend this year figuring that out. Because it's very possible that you could achieve your dream in this day and age. But once the curtain closes, you'll cry tears. Because when your calling, your true calling, why you had been sent onto the earth, will be revealed to you, you will cry tears. First of all, because you realize that it was something far more beautiful, something far more purposeful, something with more meaning something with less headache, something with less stress than what the world sold you today. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not. If you believe that you're not here on this planet because of happenstance, because of evolution, if you believe there's something that keeps calling you, there's something in your heart that... You've tried different things, but somehow you still haven't been able to. Something's still missing. You've got a new job. You're still not satisfied. They've increased your pay. You're still not satisfied. It means you haven't answered your calling card. You haven't picked it up. I don't want you to end up like the unfaithful servant. I don't want you to end up like the unfaithful servant because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. seller. This was episode 22 of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership through the life and story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. We continue to unpack the incentive of fulfilling your calling. Discovering what God has called you to do should be an urgent pursuit for everyone. In fact proverbs chapter 25 verse 2 says it's the glory of god to conceal a thing and it's the duty of kings to search out a matter second corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 to 11 emphasizes why we all need to pursue why we have been called it says wherefore we labor the whether present or absent we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. You see, you can pursue and fulfill a, a dream and still bypass the manner of character that Christ expects from his followers. But when you decide to make your calling and election sure, as scripture puts it, you'll be transformed into the person of Christ. On your way to fulfilling your calling, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 11, he says, For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. That is excellence, resolution, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge. That is intelligence, develop knowledge and intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, that is patience, endurance, and in exercising steadfastness develop godliness or piety, and in exercising godliness develop brotherly affection and in exercising brotherly affection develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful and to the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous, and eager to make sure to ratify, to strengthen to make steadfast your calling and election for if you do this you will never stumble or fall thus there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the next episode we'll look at the third principle category we can decode from the life of Joseph, which is favor and love with both God and man on your way to fulfilling your calling. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.